The Christian Atheist is also available on YouTube, and you will find other great content, including the literature I frequently refer to, on our Simple Gifts podcast. If you find our content helpful, consider supporting us through PayPal at RomansChapter5 at Comcast.net. Welcome to the Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 56. Are We Living in George Orwell's 1984? Part 4. This week we complete our four-part series on George Orwell's 1984. We pick up the thread from last week by repeating that doublethink, in short, is what Jean-Paul Sartre called bad faith, lies that we knowingly tell and deny telling to ourselves and others in pursuit of some end. Quote, Doublethink means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. The party intellectual and the woke activist, we add, knows in which direction his memories must be altered. He therefore knows that he is playing tricks with reality. But by the exercise of doublethink, he also satisfies himself that reality is not violated. The process has to be conscious, or it would not be carried out with sufficient precision. But it also has to be unconscious, or it would bring with it a feeling of falsity, and hence of guilt. End quote. It is no accident that Sartre was both deeply critical of and profoundly influenced by Hegel. He saw the self-deceptive structures with which Hegelian dialectic is rife, and felt the need to understand the psychological nature of man such that he is capable of such systematic self-deception. Wokist ideology and its Marxist Hegelian predecessors, including the diverse thinkers of the postmodern and structuralist tradition, hold up reality as illusory in various ways. Sartre was vital to my turn from atheism because he helped me see through the illusion of a belief in metaphysical illusion, teaching me that illusion can only be projected upon the stable screen of the evident. Quote, Doublethink lies at the very heart of Ingsoc, since the essential act of the party is to use conscious deception while retaining the firmness of purpose that goes with complete honesty. To tell deliberate lies while genuinely believing in them, to forget any fact that has become inconvenient, and then, when it becomes necessary again, to draw it back from oblivion for just so long as it is needed, to deny the existence of objective reality, and, all the while, to take account of the reality which one denies. End quote. All of this is designed to produce one thing, certainty. Never can a doubt be admitted or entertained. Truth has been attained, and it is the party. Here is the second reason that this ideological takeover has been successful. The complete subjective conviction of its adherents, 
citizens of Oceania, critical theorists, and wokest fanatics need never think for themselves, as there is nothing the party does not know. Its directives are moral absolutes. Human rationality, as Sartre shows, can indeed turn on itself. Embrace irrationality in the name of rationality, with complete conviction. Enslave its inherent freedom utterly in self-deception. While this is true of the common citizen by rote socialization, it is the intellectual elite of society, the architects and drivers of the hyper-rationality required to implement it, who are the masters of the technique, the most thoroughly and perniciously self-deceived, the ones least likely to hold to the empirical attitude of thought, to the essential scientific attitude. Quote, it need hardly be said that the subtlest practitioners of doublethink are those who invented doublethink and know that it is a vast system of mental cheating. In our society, those who have the best knowledge of what is happening are also those who are farthest from seeing the world as it is. In general, the greater the understanding the greater the delusion. The more intelligent, the less sane. End quote. In part two of our series, I said that, quote, everyone, excepting a select few intellectuals and elites, would reflexively agree with the claim that science is real. The culture war, as I've laid it out here, follows Orwell's diagnosis. The vast majority of people in our society who buy into wokeism and its Hegelian forebears, Marxism and critical theory, are but dimly aware of its self-deceptive and contradictory foundations. They follow as they are led, and go along to get along. It has always been thus. The theorists, however... The intellectual movers and most fanatical advocates are probably the most aware and most vehement in their denial of the fraud. Eric Fogelin rightly called Marx an intellectual swindler, but the swindle is much larger than Marx. This rational capacity to maintain contradiction is the hallmark of Hegelian logic, the logic of Oceania's founding ideology. Like all ideologies, right or left, when once power is attained, all pretense in action, though not in ideology, disappears. Once power is attained, and all utopian ideologies seek it, advancement is impossible as all change would be degradation, as Plato made clear. The whole task of the perfect society is to maintain itself. The fanaticism of the radical becomes the conservatism of the totalitarian. The ideology that proclaims power, the underlying motivation in all political systems, cannot fail to use power. 
even as its own moral rhetoric condemns it. Such dialectical reversals, such double-think, is not an accident. It is the very essence of the dialectical logic. Quote, It is in the ranks of the party, and above all in the inner party, that the true war enthusiasm is found. World conquest is believed in most firmly by those who know it to be impossible. This peculiar linking together of opposites, knowledge with ignorance, cynicism with fanaticism, is one of the chief distinguishing marks of oceanic society. The official ideology abounds with contradictions, even when there is no practical reason for them. Thus, the party rejects and vilifies every principle for which the socialist movement originally stood. And it chooses to do this in the name of socialism. It preaches a contempt for the working class unexampled for centuries past. And it dresses its members in a uniform, which was at one time peculiar to manual workers and was adopted for that reason. It systematically undermines the solidarity of the family. And it calls its leader by a name which is a direct appeal to the sentiment of family loyalty. Even the names of the four ministries by which we are governed exhibit a sort of impudence in their deliberate reversal of the facts. The Ministry of Peace concerns itself with war. The Ministry of Truth with lies. The Ministry of Love with torture. And the Ministry of Plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. They are deliberate exercises in doublethink, for it is only by reconciling contradictions that power can be retained indefinitely. In no other way could the ancient cycle be broken. If human equality is to be forever averted, if the high, as we have called them, are to keep their places permanently, then the prevailing mental condition must be controlled insanity. End quote. Pretending to value family while systematically undermining it. Proclaiming the authority of science while destroying its foundations. Demanding that women have the right to kill their babies while denying the right to choose to be immunized or to wear a mask, this should be familiar to all U.S. citizens in 2022. Are we living in George Orwell's 1984? I leave that answer to you. Not yet, I would say. We are, however, on the path, as detailed by Plato in Republic Book 8, available on our Simple Gifts podcast. All totalitarian ideologies begin as moral answers to perceived inequities, solutions to pressing issues, and by raising one moral claim above all others, claim to have the answer. The central moral issue today 
is the inequality cluster, or DEI, as it is often called. And the moral demand is that we be kind to everyone. But kindness, however ethically important, cannot bear the weight of an ethical system. Kindness is something we do while acting ethically in other ways. By itself, it is a mere form, a courtesy. As C.S. Lewis says in The Problem of Pain, quote, You cannot be kind unless you have all the other virtues. If, being cowardly, conceited, and slothful, you have never yet done a fellow creature great mischief, that is only because your neighbor's welfare has not yet happened to conflict with your safety, self-approval, or ease. Every vice leads to cruelty. End quote. When once our self-proclaimed moral paragons, the social justice warriors, the woke crusaders, the Marxist revolutionaries win the day, the moral causes that carry them to victory will be utterly forgotten. Morality cannot stand in a system where right and wrong are simply decisions of the collective will, having no transcendent reality. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian. <laughs>